Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, June 10th, 2019, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Chapter 3, More About Alcoholism, on page 31. We will be reading and commenting on the third paragraph, which begins with, we do not like to pronounce, and ends on the top of page 32 with full knowledge of your condition. Today's readers are Allison E., Nancy H., Marie J., Lisa B., and Craig F. Our newcomer greeter is Nan K. Announcements will be presented by Lisa B. And our second hour host is Leslie M. The share ID number for yesterday, Sunday, June 9th, 2019's special edition meeting is 13,013. That's one, three, zero, one, three. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence, and the practice of the 12 Steps and 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Allison E. to read the OA 12 Steps. Hi, good morning. This is Allison E., compulsive overeater from New York. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. 
eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for the knowledge, only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me be of service. Pass. Thank you, Allison E. I will now ask Nancy H. to read the OA 12 Traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Nancy H., a recovered compulsive overreader from Massachusetts. Twelve traditions. Our co- one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks for your service, Rebecca. Thank you for yours, Nancy H. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, 
Everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book in chapter 3, more about alcoholism on page 31. We will be reading and commenting on the third paragraph, which begins with, we do not like to pronounce and ends on the top of page 32 with full knowledge of your condition. I will now ask Marie J. to go ahead and read that for us. Thank you, Rebecca. Good morning. This is Marie J. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. We do not like to pronounce any individual as alcoholic, but you can quickly diagnose yourself. Step over to the nearest bar room and try some controlled drinking. Try to drink and stop abruptly. Try it more than once. It will not take long for you to decide if you are honest with yourself about it. It may be worth a bad case of jitters if you get a full knowledge of your condition. Uh, So what this says to me is, and this is so counterintuitive, it's worth the relapse if you don't have full knowledge of your condition. You know, it seems counterintuitive, but if I don't understand that I can't control this condition, and if I'm uncertain at, at all, even a little bit, then I may need to eat again. I may need to relapse before I can see the truth because I have to have clarity about my condition. I have to concede without a doubt that I don't have control over this. And I have to be honest, and that honesty has to first be with myself. And until this happens, I can't take that first step. I can't believe that I'm powerless. And then I can't get to the other steps. I can't get to step two where I'm going to find this power that's going to help me. And so, you know, the steps are in order for a reason. And if I can't concede and know that I'm powerless over this condition, and if I don't believe or understand this, then I won't come to believe in that power. And until I found that power that's greater than me, I wasn't going to recover. And so what this paragraph tells me is that I have to travel my path, not yours. You know, we come to each other for experience, strength, and hope. But my path is my path. And I get help along the way from all of you, but I have to trust that what happens to me each day is exactly what's supposed to happen and that it's exactly the path that God put me on for whatever reason. And I don't need to know what that reason is. I don't need to have it explained. My ego wants it explained, but I don't have to know. So if I struggle with thinking that I can be in charge and control this, it may take time. It may take relapse. I may have to go back to the food until I finally can surrender to this knowledge, to this truth. And I only trust that it's my path And I get up every day and I have a new day each day to continue to learn and to grow and to serve others. But first I have to have the capacity to be honest. I have to have the honesty within myself about my condition. And without this ability to tell myself the truth, I can't recover. There's this thing we call denial in uh, addiction. And I don't want to identify in when I'm in my addictive mind. I don't want to be like you when I'm in my addictive mind. I only want a way out that doesn't include giving up this addiction. And that's just the nature of addiction, and I accept that. So I had to relapse. I had to relapse before I was convinced, and then I was finally teachable. And it was only then when I conceded completely 
that I was ready to take the first step. And then that took me to the second step. I would find this power that's greater than me in the second step. And that's the power that carries me all the way every day through recovery, every single day. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Marie J. If you haven't shared on this meeting in the past couple of days and would like to share on the third paragraph on page 31 in the big book, please press star 1 to unmute and state your first name and last initial. Nancy H. I heard Nancy H. And I heard, wait one second, Kathy. Kelly, what's the last initial? S. S as in Sam? S in Sam, yes. Okay, and then I heard Kathy K, is it? Yes, thanks, Rebecca. Gotcha. And who else? Vasa O. Sandy. Vasa O. And Sandy? S. Sandy S. Anyone else want to get in line? Great. We have Nancy H., Kelly S., Kathy K., Vasa O., Sandy S. Was there another voice coming on? Okay, we'll leave it at that. Nancy H., go right ahead. Good morning, everyone, again. I'm Nancy H. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Um, this trying of some controlled drinking, I certainly have tried many times to step over to the nearest restaurant and get just a little bit of my binge foods. And I've had to learn each time because I was face down in the food after I did that. And after a 17-year stretch of what I thought was recovery, I decided to pick up just one little bit of what I really knew was the binge food and figured I could handle it. And I was off and running um, with a case of bad jitters. And that almost killed me physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And then God gave me the gift back of real recovery after six months of off and on binging that time. Many times it has taken me eight years to get back on after taking that first bite of uncontrolled eating. And as of December 15th last year, I put down the food after the repeated trying to get it back. And I I now have um, a spiritual experience that tells me that I have no desire to, to try some controlled drinking again. I had to concede, and many times that thought still comes back to me, uh, maybe it would be nice to have such and such for dinner tonight. I'd just stop and it would be a quick supper and would I be all set? And the minute I think that, I'm given the gift of saying, oh, do you remember what you were like six months ago? Do you remember what happened? Do you remember lying on the couch every eating every two hours and sleeping for two hours and then nonstop around the clock? Gee, maybe it wouldn't be so great to stop and get that one little thing to have for supper tonight. So I think that I've, for today... I've conceded that I'm definitely powerless and I cannot try controlled drinking. And if I do, I'm not, I won't be able to stop abruptly, as it says here. It'll take me a long time, and God knows how long, to uh, get it back. And uh, the other thing is I'm, I'm so afraid to take that first bite. I have a healthy fear, not a, a jittery fear. I trust God one day at a time that I'm going to be able to stay um, away from controlled drinking and not go to my favorite restaurant and just try to ingest just a little teeny bit. I think I've surrendered for today. So I'm very grateful, and I'd like to uh, thank you for letting me share. Thank you for sharing, Nancy H. Kelly S. Thank you, Rebecca, for your service. It's Kelly S., Recovered Compulsive Reader in Oklahoma. 
Um, good morning, friends. Glad to be on the line. Um, so I was, as we were reading this paragraph, I was just thinking about my um, history of being around these rooms for literally decades before um, I was finally willing to surrender. And, you know, I used to sit around and whine around, poor me, why have I been around this, these rooms for so long? This doesn't work for me. I'm totally unique. I've been here 30 plus years. I've done everything. I've done everything you're supposed to do. Well, that's not true. Of course, first of all, what I didn't do is I never conceded to my innermost self. And no, I don't like that it took me 30-something years, but it took what it took. And it took me because what I, what I realized is I don't do complete surrender. If I don't completely admit complete defeat, have no lurking reservation that, oh, well, I can have that tomorrow. No. You know, I know we're doing it one day at a time, but what it means is I just got to handle what I'm doing today. doesn't mean I have an a thing, well, well, I can't have it today, but maybe tomorrow, because that means tomorrow I think I might have power. And I am not, well, I did not work this program ever with desperation like the drowning man as long as I kept thinking I had any control at all. And I would work, try to work this program just like I did a diet. You know, it's like, okay, well, tomorrow I'll get a sponsor and tomorrow I'll really try. Tomorrow I'll go and get all the foods I need. Tomorrow I'll start listening to more meetings. Tomorrow I'll do this and this. I mean, I would, would commit to this program just like a diet. So when I get to that place, it's right now. Right now I'm willing to put down the food. You know, yeah, it took me 30-something years, but guess what? I got to that place. I got on my knees. I got into desperation, and I was willing. I, I can't work this step with my, like my hair's on fire if I still think I, if I still have ideas, if I haven't given up. I thought I'd given up control, but, you know, if, if I'm still thinking, you know, that this time will be different, this time I'll get right back on, this little bite won't matter, then I have not really reached that point. Well, I maybe need to go back out there. Obviously, I did to get a full knowledge of my condition. What is that full knowledge? I am powerless. I have a complete, I had to have complete surrender. I have a physical allergy, a mental obsession, and I have to work these steps. And like the, the reader said, I will not look for a higher power. And I didn't to turn my will and my life over until I reached that point. And so today, I am so grateful I reached that awful, awful place of desperation, that pl place of fear and hopelessness. Wasn't even my top weight, and I'll wrap up with this. Well, I was ready to throw in the towel and say, maybe these people are right. Put the food down 100%. Then, then I was ready to work this program like my hair was on fire. And yeah, it took me 30-something years. But today I do have a life beyond my wildest dreams. You know, four and a half years of that, and it is a freaking miracle. And grateful, grateful. Thank you, guys. Glad to be here. Pass. Thank you, Kelly. Yes, Kathy K. Thank you, Rebecca, for your service. Hi, this is Kathy K. Recovered in Boston, and um, I want to share a particular perspective uh, that I have as someone who came to OA with not a lot of weight to lose, uh, but very, very twisted thinking between my ears. And it took me a really long time, a number of years, to accept that I had the same illness as somebody who had 100 pounds to lose. Um, Somehow I I started this program and assumed I could get it 
um, and it wouldn't take much because I wasn't um, I wasn't so overweight, um, and that that was a lack of humility and a lack of honesty um, about my disease, and um, it was really through working through the doctor's opinion. Um, many times over that I began to see that the spiritual malady that I had was just as great as the next person. And um, so I really, really had to surrender complete control. What I did was accept the food plan, but uh, played around with it a little bit for many years. Um and therefore never really surrendered enough um, to allow a higher power into my life. Um, And I'm just so grateful today that I understand the twofold nature of our disease and um, uh, the fact that for me at least, the uh, twisted thinking and the malady of the mind is huge and uh if i'm going to really surrender and and build the kind of connection with a higher power that i need uh i have to let go completely um and it was a process and it continues to be a process and with that i pass thanks kathy k oh yes Thank you, Rebecca, for your service. I'm Vasa, grateful, grateful, recovered compulsive reader calling from uh, Massachusetts. Thank you for your service and everybody's service this morning. And, uh, yes, I had been trying to co- control the food for many, many years to the point that I lost control. And everything that I tried in my lifetime, it was just not working. And, you know... And, uh, and to, till I came to my first OA meeting, I didn't need anyone to, to diagnose me or convince me I was a compulsive Ovida. I took an honest look at inventory about my life history, what I did with the food. And again, I had hit bottom. It, it was just, I couldn't even diet any longer. I'm just so grateful that I was lent to Overeaters Anonymous, because if I had known, if I didn't find Overeaters Anonymous, I don't know where I would be today. And that was my bottom when I came. And I was just so ready and willing. I was so excited to to learn about the solution, to find out there was a solution to my problem. Finally, finally, there was like, um, it, it was... Um, a word for it. I didn't know food was um, my. I had eating disorder. All right. I mean, I know I was compulsive of eating because I, you know, tried to diet to put the food down, but I could never, never keep it down. You know. So I was ready to accept the first three steps. I can't. He can, and I will let him. Please, God, help me. Yes, I will get on my knees, and I was terrified doing that, but I did it because my sponsor said. Fake it till you get it. You know, you don't have to say these long prayers. Just ask God to help you. Very simple, very easy. And I was so ready and so willing to surrender to the program, the 12 steps, 
whatever, whatever it took, because I was on the road to dying. I was killing myself. I learned about the this, about the allergy. I learned about mental obsession. I'll wrap it up. I know my time is coming up. I will never be so more grateful to my higher power that I was led into Overeaters Anonymous, and I'm just so grateful. Thank you, and I pass. Well, thanks, Vasa. Oh, you still had some time. Uh, Sandy S. Hi, this is Sandy S. from Asheville, North Carolina, recovered compulsive overeater for over 43 years by the grace of God. And I think it's very rare that people have long-term abstinence in OA. And I have the privilege of knowing several other people when I first started who have over 40 years of abstinence, entire abstinence. And uh, I mention this because it's, it's very frightening to me, the low recovery rate in OA. It scares me. Um, and I did have a full knowledge of my condition when I came into OA. I had a full knowledge of my condition before I came into OA. And I was able to quickly diagnose myself. Um, I was eating and throwing up sometimes 12 times a day or it just depended on when I started. And I knew I was powerless, but I was, I just, there was nothing else in my life except food. And I've shared this many times. I had a spiritual experience. I have no idea why I had it. March 3rd, in which it was a lightning experience in which I knew that if I didn't give up the food, I wouldn't experience love. I had an experience of hugging someone this guy and feeling love going from his heart to my heart. And in that moment, I said, this is better than food. And from that moment on, I never had a desire to compulsively overeat again because I wouldn't have the love, which was so much better than food could ever, ever be. And I really wish, it, I really wish everyone could have a similar experience. The food has not been a problem for me. Life has been a problem, but not the food. You know, I really feel I'd rather kill myself than take the first compulsive bite of anything because, you know, that will deprive me of everything that means anything to me and will put me in hell. So I have fully conceded to my innermost self that I'm powerless over food. And what I struggle with is really believing that there's a higher power that cares about me, even though I've had many examples every day for the 43 years that there's a higher power, there's something in me that still feels I'm in charge, and that creates a lot of anxiety. So I just want to say I need to fully concede to my innermost self that there's a caring higher power, and I can let go of all my activities, all my healing activities, because I am a compulsive, everything to heal myself, because I'm not trusting that God can do it. God could and would if he were sought. So that's my job for today, to seek God. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Sandy S. Okay, the floor is open for more people who want to share on that third paragraph on 31. P. P. Monica P. P. I heard Pete B. 
And I think I heard Monica T. Is that right? Yes. Chrissy Jane. Chrissy Jane, I heard. Barbara Chrissy Jane. Wait a minute. All I have is, I got Chrissy Jane. Is that different from Chrissy J? It's one person, right? And then Barbara, was it C? Sorry about that. Barbara P. Right, P like Paul. Yes. Gotcha. So here's who I wrote down. I know there were more. Pete B, Monica T, Chrissy, either J or Jane, unless there's two people, and Barbara P. Who else? I thought there were more voices. Carol C. Someone C. Could you say the name again? Cheryl C. Cheryl? Yes. C. Gotcha. Did I miss anyone else? Okay. Pete B, Monica T, Chrissy J, uh, Barbara P, and Cheryl C. Pete B, please go ahead. Thanks, moderator. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can, Pete. Thanks. Uh, so, uh, Pete B, compulsive overeater, recovered today by God's grace and mercy. I really like how uh, this, I'm in Pennsylvania, how this paragraph starts and it finishes, right? And, and I just, you know, f- uh, get a full knowledge of your condition. You know, I don't know about anybody else, but it, it's been my experience is I, I, I pronounced myself an alcoholic before I actually knew what an alcoholic was. Right. I, I, I thought, you know, because I looked like one, because I acted like one, because I smelled like one, that I must be one. Right. And, you know, the fact of the matter is we get lots of people that come in here and pronounce themselves compulsive overeaters without having a full knowledge of the condition. Right. I had to read the doctor's opinion to understand what it actually means to be a compulsive overeater of the variety that this 12-step recovery program applies to. Not the fellowship applies to, but this 12-step recovery program applies to. Right? And the doctor, doctor's opinion says that I don't have the power, you don't have the power, we don't have the power, the condition I have only gets worse, never better. I could never, ever return to casually drinking or casually eating. Right. And it, I think it should be good news to folks. Right. Like if you are able to come into this program and return to eating moderately, congratulations. That is should be good news. That means that you are a hard eater or like 99 percent of the rest of the people out there are, you know, just compulsively overeat and then can return to going back on a diet or you know, whatever the case may be, but good news, congratulations. You do not have this condition. You can come in and pronounce yourself having the condition, but you have something that looks like it, may feel like it, but it's not it. And, I, you know, I, I, I bring that up because, like I said, you, you, the, the, it, the literature says I could never, ever, if I have this condition, I could never, ever return to being a casual eater. I could never ever return to, you know, picking up the substances that cause the phenomena of craving. And if I ever have, if I ever can, then it should be good news to all. You have something else to do with this hour, 
or two a day that we choose to be on this line, practicing these principles, working this program, and carrying the message. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Pete B. Monica T. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Vermont. So, we do not like to pronounce any individual as an alcoholic. So, I get a couple of different things out of this paragraph. Number one there, that I cannot pronounce anybody out as a real compulsive overeater, that we all have to come to that decision, conclusion on our own. But the other thing I get out of this that was shown or given to me by my uh, guide was, all right, so you're not really sure about this allergy of the body. You don't really believe that you have an allergy going on. Well, here's a little test for you, Monica. Why don't you step over to the nearest Dunkin' Donuts and try some control eating of Dunkin' Donuts? How about, how about you just have one or two and stop? Well, you'll say to yourself, hmm, I can do that. I can have one or two and stop. I'm not allergic to them. And then, well, then, okay, why don't you try that every day for a month and see what happens, Monica? (laughs) Well, you know, my crazy thinking was I might be able to do it one or two days. And then my thinking would go, well, I won't have any today. Then I can have four of them tomorrow, but really, I'm a real compulsive overeater, and that's an allergic food, and it may not be an immediate response, and I think that's important for us to know, too, but I will set off the allergy with that food. It may take a day or two. It may take a little longer, but I will end up back in the food. Now, I know for me that if I did one of these today, it would be instant. I would have an instant reaction, allergy reaction to the food and be craving more and more and more. So I just think this is a little test for us with the allergy part of our disease. And, um, you know, I've got to be honest with this and believe that I do have an allergy. And this just proves it to me. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Monica G. Is it Chrissy Jane or Chrissy J? That's next. Any Chrissy? Hmm. Star one to unmute. Chrissy Jane K. Chris, Chrissy Jane K. Good morning. Hi. Um, um, I'm, a, I'm a compulsive overeater. Thank you for letting me speak, and thank you, Team Monday, and thank you for leading the program. Um, For me, the problem was always I knew I was a compulsive overeater, but I was too lazy 
to do the program. And always tried to wake out of it. I didn't want to do the praying. I didn't want to do the reading. I didn't want to do the writing. I didn't want to do anything like my hair was on fire. Anything. It was just laziness. It was so much easier to open a cellophane package and eat, even if I had to do it every two hours. I couldn't believe in my inventory how laziness went back to my childhood. That, and even when I would do something, I would like even do it really fast so that I would have a goal of doing nothing at the end so that the end goal would be laziness so that I could like hurry up, get it done so that I could do nothing. I I just couldn't, I, I my whole life was revolved around laziness. And in this program, like I didn't want to read the book. I didn't want to write the inventory. I didn't want to write anything. I didn't want to write down my feelings. I didn't want to write down my food. I didn't want to write down my food before I ate or after I ate. Either way, I didn't want to write it down. I didn't want to write it down, to be honest. The feelings got in the way of honesty. Honesty about the program. Honesty about myself. Laziness was in laziness of the denial that I was eating. And then laziness about cooking. Who wants to cook chicken? Who wants to cook vegetables? Everything was all so easy. Time. I, I just, I'm sorry, was that my time? Yeah, it's three minutes if you could wrap up, Chrissy Jane. Okay. I'm, uh, that's it. I don't have anything else to say. Thank you. Goodbye. Mm. Thank you, Chrissy Jane K. Barbara P. Good morning. This is Barbara P. in the Atlanta area, recovered compulsive overeater. And um, the line, the first line really got me, but you can quickly diagnose yourself. So, uh, and I really do, I I guess this time, I I get stuck there. I had to know, and just looking back at my eating history, I mean, they say later, we say if, you know, if we're honest with ourselves, but if I really look at that eating history of mine, I I should have been able to diagnose myself a long time ago. Um, I've been in, like, like so many say, I've been in OA for decades, and knew that I had something and something was wrong. And I guess I knew I was a compulsive overeater, knew I had addictive behaviors. But something shifted this time when, and I guess it's this conceding to my innermost self, this last relapse about killed me. And um, I knew that I had to give up 
all I knew was surrender became a, a different, there was a different meaning for me. I had to wave a white flag. I could no longer deny I had an illness, not so much an addictive behavior, all the good words. I had an illness. I was sick. And that really helped me. And I know I think I resisted that concept. And interesting, the big book guide that I that I chose started with a conversation about, you know, the, the AAs did periods of hospitalization. And while we may not be able to really like go off to treatment, some of us can, but I couldn't at that time. But she said, how can you create a hospital environment and, and the structure of a hospital and the the routine of a hospital because we're sick. And that really helped me to understand this is a serious illness and I am sick. I have it. I still have it today, but I take treatment every day. Nobody would know I'm sick, but I, you know, well, a lot of people would, but, but, you know, the reality is I don't act like a sick person. I don't eat compulsively, but I have an illness and I still have that. I always will. And once I got that, once I really got that and it's like, oh, like having bad eyesight or diabetes or anything else that I might have. Oh, okay. And I have to take the treatment and I do. And this is a really enjoyable treatment. So I, you know, I guess I feel lucky in that sense, but I had to get the seriousness of my illness and I had to diagnose myself. No one else could do it for me, but I also had to get honest. With that, I pass. Thank you, Barbara P. Cheryl C. Hello, this is Cheryl C. from Louisville, Kentucky. Um, I just wanted to kind of claim my seat and, um, and was moved by the reading and the conversation this morning on the line. Um, I um, I know how uncomfortable it can be not knowing uh, anything, but especially not knowing about, you know, um, the program or um, the recovery process or, you know, where am I in the process. And um, I've been working with some sponsees and, you know, it's just such an uncomfortable place not knowing and having the hurt pride and and um, and the the fear of you know can I really be entirely abstinent? And um, I just want to encourage people um, that you know um, I have encountered so many loving people um, in the OA Vision for You uh, community and. Um, just to not do it alone and reach out um, and just, even though it's uncomfortable, um, very necessary to uh, be honest and uh, in your not knowing this and, um, and um, to, you know, stay in the community and, and really reach out. So um, that's really all I wanted to say this morning. And with that, I pass. Well, thank you, Cheryl C. We have time for um, three or maybe four more shares. Who else would like to share on the bottom of page 31 to top of 32, that one paragraph? Kristen H. Ross M. 
Okay, I heard Kristen H. and Russ M. Craig S. Maureen S. Who was the last name? Maureen was it? Oh, Maurizy. Okay, let's see if there's time for the four of you. So Kristen H., go right ahead. Good morning. I'm Kristen H., a compulsive overeater in Houston, Texas. I am... This paragraph is so important to me because it brings back to mind all the times that I tried to quit compulsive overeating. And, you know, I was a serious compulsive overeater. And I, you know, I I love that this paragraph talks about drink like a normal person. I actually didn't know what eating like a normal person meant. I thought eating like a normal person just meant not eating, not eating uh, sugary foods and not going out to eat and eating extravagant meals. And but what I didn't understand about normal eaters was that they didn't think about food as much as I did. And when I tried to stop eating all of the sugar and all and all of the extravagant meals out with an appetizer uh, of main and two desserts, when I tried to do that, my head went crazy. I was obsessing about the food. All I could think about was the food and what I was going to eat next and how many calories I could how many calories I hadn't consumed, and maybe if I ate this, then I could eat that, and it was endless, and so what I didn't understand is that even if I could for 12 hours or maybe 14 hours eat like a quote-unquote normal person, what was going on in my head wasn't what happened to a normal person, and in fact, the reason I came into the rooms is because I wanted that head noise, that constant chatter I wanted that to go away. I had a clever solution for the eating. My idea was I was going to get bariatric surgery. But I knew that even if I got that, the noises in my head wouldn't go away. And for me, that's what was just as bad as the food. Just so much of my life lost to constantly thinking about food, nonstop. And so even if I could manage to get myself to eat like a normal eater for a little bit of time, I couldn't manage to shut up my mind. I couldn't manage to stop obsessing. And for me, that's one of the greatest freedoms. I've released a lot of weight. I've had a lot of physical recovery. But this morning, I went into my fridge, and I picked out two Tupperwares of meal prepped food that I've done, and that's it. I don't have to think about my meals for the rest of the day. And that is freedom. That, to me, is recovery. And I'm so blessed to have it thanks to this program and these 12 steps. Thank you so much for letting me share, and thank you for your service. Thank you, Kristen H. Russ M. Good morning. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, family. Russ M. Recover Compulsive Overeater outside of Philly. So I read this paragraph. Um, you know, I think of how much was stolen from me over my lifetime trying to control my eating, trying to, you know, go cold turkey with the food. That was my whole life. I was entangled in it. Um, so I basically knew what was going on. When I when I see this, this is what it brings up that, you know, I really have to tr- try to diagnose myself. I knew it. I knew it because my whole life was was series of uh, losses with the food that I can never, ever have any control. So... That was basically all I got to say. You know, it, it just stole everything from me, this this uh, 
this disease, and uh, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for God, uh, AAOA, and the, and the 12 steps and you guys. Thank you. Have a beautiful day. Thank you, Sam. Oh, I hear some noise in the background. Craig F., it's your turn, yeah. and the noise stopped. Great. Go ahead. That was it. It was me. <laughs> oh, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is Craig F. Recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, this this paragraph is always kind of a frightened me a little bit. You know, it's kind of like I, I thought about telling a a heroin addict, uh, oh, you think you're not a heroin addict? Go shoot one up. You know, like how hard would that be? Could that be? But you know, it's a lot simpler than that uh, for me today. I look at this paragraph and think two things. First of all, um, if I haven't gotten to that point where I have uh, fully accepted that I'm a compulsive overeater, that uh, I'm not going to get recovery in, until I do, you know, and when it says it would be worth a little bit of the jitters, it, 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 you know, it'll be worth the jitters. It'll be worth whatever it takes to get me to that point that I can fully concede. But the other thing is that what one thing this paragraph puts me in the mind to do is to say that I've done all the experimentation uh, that I need to do in most cases, you know, that that I, I, if I'm truly honest with myself, if I'm ready to be honest, I could sit here and say to myself, uh, okay, remember that time, the last time you tried to eat um, sugar-free pumpkin pie, you know, <laughs> it set you off. Or remember the time that uh, you thought that you had a good enough eye that you wouldn't have to weigh and measure, uh, you know, and a cup became three cups in a couple of weeks, you know. In other words, I have a database of uh, past experiments that, if I'm honest with myself, that I can pull up and uh, use to uh, to remind myself. Uh, and and the last thing is that this uh, paragraph that we we can use that if we will to uh, help us identify uh, our uh, allergic foods. Uh, you know, some of those foods that are kind of Oh, uh, maybe uh, for me, if I eat sugar, I know it's going to send me off on a tear. But if I eat uh, nuts, you know, uh, it and it's kind of questionable. So, you know, it might or it might not. So I can use this to say, uh, you know, is it okay that I do so-and-so? And, and, and. The answer is is usually no. If I'm questioning it, uh, the answer is no. But uh, I can use this to kind of help clear my mind about whether I can do some of those marginal things or not. And, uh, you know, today, of course, my recovery uh, is too important to me to, te- to uh, test it over marginal things anyway. Uh, so with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, Craig S. Morizy. Morning, Rebecca. Morizy, gratefully recovered in Virginia. Setting my timer. There it is. Um, so, not much to add to what others have said. Just a few things that that came into my mind, and and um, like others have said, um, I. I'm long past the time where I have to go out and make any tests. 
and do any more, you know, R&D to determine whether or not I am a compulsive overeater. Um, I am, I am, I have a good memory, thank you God, about this disease. And um, I can remember sitting in the dark in the living room, telling myself, you know, after the husband has, has gone, to, husband has gone to, to sleep, you know, at 830 because he gets up at 330, that um, I'll just have two of those frozen pretzels and um, eating them and not remembering eating them. Just, just hand to mouth. And then when I'm done and looking at the plate going, oh, well, you know, I'll just have two more. And, you know, inside of 20 minutes, 25 minutes maybe, six of them are gone and the box is empty. Um, I, I know about, you know, having a weighed and measured food plan and committing my food plan and being on vacation and, you know, asking them to pause the movie so I can go get my, you know, my weighed and measured and committed, you know, snack of, of four sugar-free cookies and not wanting to have them hold the movie long enough, you know, for me to open the bag, take four out, close the bag, put it back, close the door, walk back into the other room. I just grabbed the bag. And when cookie number five hit my lips, I knew I'm a compulsive overeater. And it didn't stop at cookie number five. It stopped when the bag was empty. And I know that when I sat here, you know, nine years ago, saying out loud, one of these days I'm not going to have to do this shit. I'm not going to have to weigh and measure. I'm not going to have to make phone calls. I'm not going to have to go to meetings. I'm not going to have to make a food change. I'm not going to have to do all this stuff. That was awakening to the fact that I had never taken step one. I had never truly, truly conceded to my innermost self that I had taken step one, that I am a compulsive overeater, that I may be able to stop every once in a while, but that I cannot stay stopped. I know that when I'm trolling up and down the uh, aisles in the grocery store, reading recipes and reading ingredients, looking for the fact that, well, maybe they changed their recipe and I can eat this now, I am in trouble. And I also know that as long as I stay close to my higher power and I work these steps diligently every day and I stay close to you that I am recovered today by God's grace and mercy. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Morrissey. We have one minute if anybody wants to take it. Okay, this is Rebecca, compulsive overeater. I'll try to fill the slot. Um, I was thinking about how I, all the diets I'd ever been on, all the things they talked about in the paragraph prior were my version of trying some controlled eating. And then I was thinking about alcoholic number three in the stories in the back and how um, he said... Um, they told him he was an alcoholic, which kind of contradicts what it's saying here, quite frankly, so I'm a little confused about that. But um, he said, um, uh, they said, you are an alcoholic, and he said, I figured I was just a drunk. He didn't think he was an alcoholic. He just thought he was a drunk. I don't know why he thought there was a difference there, but that, I think, is uh, denial. The man had been in the hospital like six times in the past eight months. And they told him he had a disease. So um, maybe we'll talk about that further in the next hour. I don't know. But the time is up for this hour. 
And uh, now let's see what my notes tell me to say next. Um, Thank you, everyone, for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. Ooh, the share ID. I forgot to see here. Hmm. I don't have the share ID for today's meeting. I'm sorry, but maybe the announcer will have it. Um, Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Oh, I beg your pardon. I do have the share ID for today's meeting. It's 13015. That's 13015. And I spaced out on watching for that. Um, will Lisa B. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Good morning. Yes, I'm glad to. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.